Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur looking to take your business skills to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Enterprise Now Show. Prepare to be inspired, motivated, and transformed. And now, your host, LZ Flinnard. Can I get it? Oh, yeah. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to episode 89 of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we educate, motivate, inspire, and transform business owners and entrepreneurs into success. That is what we do. We help folks launch, grow, and maximize. In this episode, I talk with Craig Cecilio of Diversifund. Diversifund is a full-service online real estate crowdfunding platform that connects investors to high-quality real estate investment opportunities. Craig has worked in the real estate industry for over 20 years and has participated in the development of over 1,000 single-family residences as a joint venture equity partner, lender, or sponsor. We talk about how problem-solving, having confidence, and being honest with yourself can lead to the success of your business. We also talk about building and selling and how they are really one in the same. All right, let's dig in. All right, Craig, can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah, really? Right now? <laughs> can I get a do-over on that? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Nice. I may just out of spite use the first one. That would be so bad. You would listen to it and you're like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Sometimes bad's good. Nice. Nice. So first of all, Craig, let me say thank you so much for being on the show. I'm always super excited to sit down and have conversations with successful people, right? Because what's the saying that you are who you hang around. So I like to hang around cool people like you. I love to meet cool people and I love to meet successful people to learn from you guys and to take your knowledge and push that out to my listeners. So thank you for taking the time out to be with me. I always like to start off by asking the question, tell me about yourself. Now, when I say that, I mean, you are free and welcome to go all the way back to the day it all began, or you can start more current day. Tell us about yourself. Good story. I think I was seven at the time. I think it was helping my mother with some things in the kitchen. I remember it. She goes, what do you want, Craig? And I go, well, I don't want anything now, but I might want something later. So I'm going to help you out right now. So I think sales for me was always kind of in my nature since I was seven years old. I always knew how to kind of warm someone up. And I started with my own parents as a kid. So I always remember that conversation for whatever reason going way, way, way back. And today she's always like, what do you want when I call her? I go, eh, nothing, just check it in. And she goes, I know you pretty well by now. You're up to something. And like anything else, I think building something and building a company up at the end of the day, you're always kind of the chief salesperson. I'm not sure if you've heard that before, but you're always kind of selling all the time, whether it's an idea, 
people, your employees, just even your significant other, you got to sell them at times. You're consistently kind of selling. That's a good story going way, way, way back. Before that, I'm not sure if I can go back. <laughs> gotcha. What's your favorite thing to do? There's a lot of different things I like to do. I don't have one specific favorite thing to do all the time. A little bit now I'm in my mid-40s. So it's a little bit different, my approach. I mean, I love hanging out with my daughters. I have a tremendous amount of fun hanging out with them. Fitness advocate, I do CrossFit about three days a week. Religiously, I have a trainer once a week. And then I also do like long distance running. I run probably about 12 to 15 miles a week on top of that. So I'm kind of a little fitness kind of adventure type background. And I like the thrill, the excitement of doing new things. So in business, I'm constantly challenging myself. What haven't I done before? And my biggest takeaway is each day and each week, am I doing something different? Am I constantly learning and growing? And I always kind of ask myself also at the same time, you say you say favorite things to do. It's like, I want to look back on life and say, hey, I kind of went for it. I took advantage of those opportunities. And every day you kind of look around yourself. There is always an opportunity presents itself. That is fun to me. Just take advantage of those opportunities that come. Now, you mentioned you love to spend time with your family. You're a CrossFit guy and you're a long distance runner. Those sound like hero type activities to me. So having said that, what's your superpower? What's my superpower? I asked my daughter that question. I solve things. I get things done. I'm a solutions guy. So if I had to say something, if something happened, I always feel like I'm the person who has to deal with it. So I just feel like my superpower was like, hey, you can count on Craig to get it done for you, whatever that is. Now, being a problem solver, what's your methodology? How do you overcome challenges? I think the first thing is just having confidence in yourself that you can get it done. Gathering all the information. And that's a good point where I say gathering information, because in some instances, you might have to make a decision in seconds. So just having the confidence to make that decision, don't look back on yourself and say, hey, don't second guess yourself, because at that point in time, you had that much information to make the decision. And then also in some situations, it's not act, allow yourself to have time to make those decisions. So it's kind of like balancing those two things out. And in some cases, you have people to help you out. In some cases, you don't. And you just have to decide at that point in time what you can and what you can't do. And each time you do something like that, you learn. So it's constantly, don't have fear. Always constantly learn again and again. Okay, last time this happened to me, this is what I learned. And you don't kind of consciously do this after a while. It's kind of subconscious. And for me, I kind of have fun too. I kind of like making decisions really fast and go, okay, let's let's do it real fast. And, and so I learn quicker and sometimes... I'm like, okay, maybe more patient. I'm a little bit more patient now, but I like challenging myself to make decisions quicker too and sin and find it rather fun. So, okay, I made that decision. Maybe that was too fast or too slow. And what was the outcome of that? How do you deal with the outcomes, right? So every decision has a result, right? It either worked or it didn't. How do you work through the decisions that didn't work or that were the wrong decision? There's a lot of decisions to make that nothing happens. And I'd say that's where more of the challenge lies. It's kind of going, okay, I took some action and nothing happened. There was not a good thing or bad thing, but something that didn't go according to plan, that's okay. Because you you just ask yourself why. You have time now to gather that information and learn from it. And if it did happen, good, that's pretty easy. It's just kind of next time you just make that same decision. But the inaction, there's a lot of things that just don't happen. You make a decision and it's like, okay. I made a decision and nothing moved the needle, let's say. So why? What was that reason? And I think that's the bigger challenge to me is, okay, why didn't that happen? Was there something in my communication? Was there something in the other person, the other situation? 
that happens more. I'd say that's even like 75% of the time. Like some, it doesn't change. And so you could call that bad. I don't really call that a bad outcome, but it is, I would say, a bad outcome because when you make a decision, you actually want to see, okay, did it work or didn't work? You don't want to see just, okay, nothing happened. That's definitely a challenge. And it's going back and just analyzing the data, analyzing what, if it's a communication problem, was it the way you communicated? Was it, did you need to follow up with that communication? Was it the person communicating it to? Was it the situation you're communicating it to? I think it's a rather simple process. And the hardest thing about it is being honest with yourself. Was it something about you, not the other person? And so you have to look at that, the other person, the situation yourself. And I can't say if you had like three meters, the situation yourself, the other person, it's not ever going to be 100% you, 100% the other person, 100% the situation. It's going to be a balance between those. And with time and experience, you could definitely make it easier. You seem like the type of person who makes decisions easily. Talk a little bit about how you got there, right? Because sometimes people struggle with analysis paralysis, right? They are so afraid to make the wrong decision or that nothing will happen, that they just don't do anything. Talk a little bit about that, how you overcome that and the effects of having that type of mindset where you're analyzing it so much that you don't make a decision at all. I think uh, also... Well, they say the procrastinator's creed is perfectionism. So some people just won't make a decision until everything's kind of perfect. And I think there's some analogies out there. I think you could use military warfare. If you sit there and you take wait too long to make a decision, you're kind of you're going to be dead. So you have you pick up the gun, you fire back, or you run. You can't just sit there and go, okay, what am I going to do? So in some certain circumstances, you kind of learn that. But for myself and how it began. I don't know where it actually came from. I'm not sure if I was born with it or it was from my surroundings. It might have been a balance of two. It might have been growing up. I had my both my family members, mother and father, both worked hard. Mother was a school teacher, father just a regular job. Seeing them and seeing the hard work they did. But there's always more to it than just that. I went to different schools a few times. I've got exposed to different situations. I think that has helped. Since I switched schools, I had to put myself in a different environment a few times. After high school, I moved across the country for the first time. So I'd start from scratch with friends as well. And then after that, I had to move again across the country where I had to adapt again, learn new things, different jobs, different careers, different levels of where I was in my careers as well, constantly changing So I guess it's just kind of your experiences and how you deal with it personally. And for myself personally, I always felt like I had like a little voice in me just saying, keep going for it, keep trying, keep going, keep trying. But I don't know, was it my surroundings or was it just something genetic was just innate in myself? Just looking back, playing sports, extracurricular activities, kind of did everything. So I think it's a combination of both and having that environment growing up with uh, family members. And I think a little bit of mother being a school teacher and and just making sure, okay, I want my son to be in grades, but also be well-rounded and sticking me in other programs and being social at the same time. So a little bit could come back to your upbringing with your parents, I think. And then the rest is the situations you find yourself in as well. It's a combination of both always. And some people... I go and I run to some guys from high school and they go, I can't believe you moved across the country. And I go, well, I can't believe you stayed in the same town. That's kind of what I'm thinking. But it's always kind of constantly, I had to go, always go into a new situation and adapt and learn new things. And going in, and each time I did, it was different. It wasn't like going in and being very vocal. Sometimes it's going into a new situation and just gathering the information. 
and noticing my surroundings before maybe doing something, understanding how things work in different parts of the countries. I think growing up in the East Coast, then living in the Midwest a little bit, and then living on the West Coast, I really saw different kind of parts of the country and how people are and how people were. And right now I'm in my mid-40s, so when I grew up in the East Coast, and I was a child growing up, New York City wasn't a cool place to go to. And now it's like, it was like the 80s, and you didn't kind of want to go to New York. It was kind of rough. And then when I moved to Colorado, uh, it was pre-kind of internet days. I like Colorado a lot, like the nature a lot about, but there's just a different way of living out there. And now being in California, today it's very progressive, it's very advanced. It's a different world because now we're in a digital world doing a podcast and everything is information shared more freely than it was 10, 15 years ago in those different parts of the country. So mixing all that together kind of gave me good experiences, how to able to handle different situations and adapt to different people in different situations. Let's take a quick break from this awesome conversation for a quick message from our sponsor. Seems everyone is podcasting these days. But if you want to do it right and stand out from the crowd, you need to contact Enterprise Now. eNow Podcast Solutions is second to none in providing best-in-class customer service and delivering top-quality podcast production. Podcast editing can be time-consuming and tedious. You're a podcaster. That's what you do best. Let us do the dirty work for you. Besides, it's what we do best. Then all you have to do is your awesome show. We can help with basic editing, mixing, promotion, delivery, tagging, and pro editing. Whatever you need, we can do it for you. Check us out and see all the ways we can make your podcast sound amazing and professional. Visit enterprise-now.biz slash production. Now, speak a little bit about how that adaptability has led to your success in business. Oh, if you notice how when you go to a different area, people are different than you. When you're speaking to them, you have to communicate in a manner of not how you think things are, but you have to communicate in a manner of, okay, how am I communicating to this particular person? And how do they see the world compared to how I see the world? And so you're going to go into that conversation, that meeting, that negotiation, with a little bit of more of an open mind and you're gonna be more open and flexible with the way you communicate not be very stubborn straight and linear with one thought process and one way to get something done so you're gonna go into each circumstance with an open mind and being able to adapt and go okay this is how this person may see this circumstance this is how i see it now how can i communicate this for both parties and and just going into every situation like that i think really makes you more receptive and naturally that energy you're giving off to that other person, then it's almost like you become, you don't want to use that word, but it's like you're, you become likable a little bit to them because they're like, oh, he's not abrasive. They're open to seeing the world from my point of view. I like him. And that's kind of going, getting that trust factor going right away, that face-to-face with somebody, which is really important with this. And I would say that that's really, really important. And a lot of people go in just the way I think it is. And right away, it's kind of, it's a clash and it's kind of downhill from there. Usually you go into most situations with, I always have a needle and it's like you're neutral. You don't, you don't want to go negative too fast because then you got to get back to neutral. It goes negative then neutral. And in some situations you're going in, it's already negative because they might have a preconceived notion of who you are or where you're from or what you look like and all that. So having an open mind and, and warming that person up a little bit, definitely helpful. Tell us about your business and how you started and what you guys are up to these days. 
The business itself, we are a vertically integrated real estate crowdfunding platform. And what I'd like to say, that is real estate syndication on steroids, where you have the crowd people being able to provide funding for the particular real estate projects. I've been in real estate syndication probably since 1998. And when crowdfunding became, I guess, legalized with the Jobs Act, which was passed in 2009, and it's been phased over the years, 2013 and 2015, is I think when the biggest legislation was enacted. Unusual, it's like they pass a law in nine, but doesn't go in effect till 15. It was a natural crossover for me because I was doing the same type of business. Now I could do it using technology. And I could do it talking to complete strangers, not meeting everyone face-to-face to aggregate everybody together to do the particular project. And then back in those days, and a little bit of my history of who I was, I knew a lot of people. And it was because I've lived across the country and met a lot of people. And how do I communicate to everybody? And even back in the 90s, I was like, man, if I could just contact everyone at once instead of talking to everyone, because I know a lot of people, and how do I do this? So it's a natural evolution with technology with where I was from, from my network. How do I communicate to more people and use technology to do that? And so when it became legalized to do that, now I'm able to use technology to fundraise or solicit funds from people. And I know a lot of people already, and I just don't have the methods to do it through a phone call. It was kind of a natural fit for me to do it. And say, also being in the real estate world for 20 years, I kind of have that all figured out and I have the right relationships. It's not only was I able to take a vision I had to use technology, but at the same time, I have the network in real estate where I'm kind of doing the right projects. And so merging those two things together kind of got us where we were. Walk us through how it worked in your company, the technology. So I go on to your website and I want to, is it a development property or kind of walk us through what it is that you guys do? Yeah. So currently today we have a few offerings up there, but for the average person, the offerings are about, say the size, the average size is around $5 million. So the average person can't give someone $5 million and become part of these projects. Usually those are reserved for the ultra wealthy, hedge funds, institutional investors. Now we can take that $5 million and slice and dice it with $5,000 here, $1,000 from this person, $500 from this person. And some people say, hey, that's a lot of work. How do you talk to all these people? So we use technology to do that. So that happens within days instead of taking months, maybe years to get done. And at the same time, that person in the past who was able to do the $5 million in the project, they got that opportunity to get in the project and basically produce wealth for themselves by doing these projects. And you could say that they had a monopoly on the market because no broker dealer or no broker wants to talk to a guy with $1,000 because his commission is going to be less. He wants to talk to a guy with $5 billion. So now we're kind of blowing that all apart. And we're just in infancy stage of this stuff. There's comparing it to 1996 with the internet. So that's how early we are with this. So now you can go in and get those returns with the same guy, the hedge fund guy, through this portal. So that's cool for one thing. And the also cool thing is we got pretty cool projects on there. And one of the houses that we have, I can't say what it is, but you'll see what it is when you go on there. But they're pretty cool projects at the end of the day. So you could say, hey, I participated and I was part owner in this project. So you kind of get that pride. It's like, cool, I did that really cool project in Beverly Hills. And you could sit back and say, I own that. And then your friends, like, you'd be having a beer with your friends. Like, dude, you only have, like, a 1000 bucks. How can you do that? Like, no, I did it. And you could show them, like, your little percentage of that project. So you get that kind of sense of entitlement. You're like, yeah, yeah, I did that. 
So we're kind of doing both things, giving you an opportunity to make a little money and also get you that sense of, hey, I was able to do a cool project. Otherwise, I wouldn't have that opportunity to do. Now, I know you mentioned this a little bit, how you've used your ability to connect with people and adaptability. From what I see, recognize a trend in the market and an opportunity to grow. Talk a little bit about the moment where you recognized, okay, this is something that we can take advantage of and really grow this thing and blow it out of the water. How did you spot that? Was it just happenstance or how did that happen? I kind of tried to build a website in 2009 with the same idea. So I kind of already kind of experimented a little bit. And so when I saw it become officially like legalized to do it, I was like, oh, my God, I've already tried this. So this is I had this idea. I was talking to people about it. They thought I was crazy. Now everyone's doing it. So I kind of already had that kind of idea. naturally kind of created that. How do I do this? And at that point in time, I also had a large database of people I met that I would always have to call. It's a very, very organic process. It's very natural for me to do it. But to make it a vertically integrated platform, Now, here's a big difference of us than everybody else. Vertically integrated means that we own the projects, that our firm owns the projects with our investors. Is I've had, gosh, let's just say over a decade, maybe two decades of experience doing syndication and doing offline lending. And I have those, what does Malcolm Gladwell call it, 10,000 hours of experience doing that stuff. Hey, let's raise money for our own projects versus raising money for other people's projects. Because this is what's going to happen if we did it for other people's projects. First thing is, we don't have control. So if we don't have control, how can we communicate information to our investors? Also, if we don't have control, how are we supposed to deal with a problem or issue that may arise? Which, in real estate, problems are par for the course. They will arise. Also, we're banking on someone else's experience based on the data they provided us, which we all know in real estate that all that data provided us is not the full truth. It's like that Play-Doh in the cave thing. It's like it's part of the truth. So how do we eliminate this, give everyone customers a positive experience on the platform, and we decide to, hey, if we go into this and do a vertically integrated platform where we're the actual developer or co-developer with the projects, we could eliminate all that risk, eliminate all that worry and create that transparency. And we started doing this in one year, we put about 100 million of assets under management. And the other side of the spectrum is now we have everyone calling us all day long for the prime projects throughout the country. And we're, you know, we're, we're in a great position right now because we have proof of concept that we can do this. And our constituents, which I say that the members of the platform love it because we're giving them full transparency, great reports, pictures, we're giving them everything. And we like it too, is when something pops up, we go, okay, how do we solve this? Instead of waiting six months and go, oh crap, we can't do anything about this because it's not our problem, it's this guy's problem. Where I really see that uh, being advantageous now, market's pretty good, but I see that advantageous when markets do change, so having that transparency and that ability to adapt in real time. So, Craig, I have one final question for you before we get out of here. And I never like to let folks like you get away without giving the enterprisers one tip or actionable step that they can take to improve their businesses today. One tip, best tip I could give them. Fail hard, fail fast, fail often. Don't fear failure. Fail hard, fail fast, fail often. Don't fear failure. That's really, really good. Now, if folks want to learn more about what you guys do and reach out to you, how can they do that? It's easy. You just go to the site, www.diversityfund.com. It's spelled unusually. It's D-I-V-E-R-S-Y-F-U-N-D.com. And just check it out. It's easy to contact us. Our information's all over the place. Awesome. Awesome. 
Well, thanks again, Craig, for being with us. I'm so excited to talk with you just because I know that when you surround yourself with successful people, you're going to be successful. So I like to conversate with folks like you. I like to get you in front of my listeners so that they can be successful as well, because I know, like I said, that one way to do that is to surround yourself with people who are where you want to be. And additionally, you really do get a chance to bounce ideas off of other folks and kind of hear their unique perspectives on how they got to where they are. So I appreciate you taking the time out to share your experience and wisdom with us. Great. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Enterprisers, that is yet another awesome episode with another awesome business leader, entrepreneur, successful person in the world of business. So go on out to the website. Let us know how we're doing. We could not be doing what we do without you guys. So we are forever grateful for your support and the never ending support that you guys give us. So thank you guys. And we'll talk with you next week. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email. Mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.